tides. Fred? Fred? Oh! Hey there, Victor! What have you been up to? Um, okay. Uh, did you just call me by my first name? Because you never do that. Oh, sorry, Dr. Stevens. Is it really that strange? See, now you're just making fun of me. Yeah, a little. I... You realize that's not really okay, right? What do you mean? I make fun of everyone. Seriously, Fred, it... It makes it hard to have an actual professional relationship with you. I... You're right. I'm sorry, what? You're right, and I'm sorry, and so on. There, does, does that help with that? Um, thank you? Don't let it get to your head. So what can I help you with, doctor? So, uh, right. Uh, so we got a message that, um... Oh, hey, hello, you. You're breaking up there. That, uh, you got that sub thing working? Oh, hell yeah, I did. I mean, mostly. I, I'm cruising around the surface because I can't really figure out how to make a dive and I can't see very much on account of the stupid cameras and it being, you know, nighttime, but it's enough to navigate with for now. Wait, how am I talking to you then? No, see, as long as I'm near the surface and in range of the beacon and antenna that I set up on the rocks, it can boost a signal out to you. But the Strybog is going to be out of range altogether pretty soon, which means no more conversations, real time or not. Yeah, I'm already getting some pretty significant lag, if I'm being honest. Well, let's make the best of the time that we have then. Hey, do, do you remember those monster crabs I told you about? Ugh, unfortunately, yeah. Well, I discovered another colony of them closer by. Fred, I, I have to ask, uh, why? Why would you do that? Oh, calm, calm down. Now I have the upper hand. I could crush them all from up here. But of course I wouldn't do that. Actually, I, I can't because I can't dive and they're all at the bottom. So instead, I'm actually taking time to observe them properly with the sonar. Aren't you worried that'll piss them off? The snailians seem to hate it. Well, they aren't acting like they mind like the snailians did. I, I can see them down there moving around. They're all busy while the tide is in, dredging out the bottom of their hole. I can see a ring of these little, like, piles of silt around the edge of it. They're, they're passing the sediment through their mouth, probably filtering out small organisms and then depositing them to build their reservoir before the tide recedes again. Oh, that, that's cool, actually. That's kind of like the sand bubbler crab. I wonder if their saliva acts as a binding agent to firm up the edges against erosion. Maybe. There are at least 30 individuals in the colony, and they're pretty busy down there eating sand and spitting it back out. I can't get much anatomical detail with the sonar system, unfortunately. 
that's a whole lot of crab, Fred. Uh, please don't get stranded somewhere, uh, especially not right there. I'm not gonna get stranded anywhere. If I'm still in radio range, I'm still close to home and there's plenty of time before low tide. Oh, what? What is that? Hello. Fred, I'm not sure what you're thinking, but I feel really confident that you should not do whatever that is. Okay, Stevens, look, I'm going to have to move a little further away. I have to get back to you because I need to follow this goddamn whale. I'm sorry, did you just say there's a whale? Uh Uh-huh. Say again? We've got a whale. Then, dang it, fuck that gosh darn space whale, Fred. (sighs) That's exactly what I'm gonna do. I will talk to you again soon, Stevens. Okay, buddy, slow it down a bit. There we go. Easy does it. I I told Stevens it was a whale, but it could also be described as a particularly large and dense jellyfish. Fonzian life has a tendency towards radial symmetry, and this thing is no exception. It's huge and round and smooth textured, though I I can't see colors with the night vision on the cameras. The front has a central opening surrounded by a ring of five eyes the size of dinner plates. Around the midline of the organism are arranged five pectoral fins that stretch into these long, flowing membranes. Its tail is also membranous, uh, almost feathery, and it seems like it would create a lot of drag and hamper the movement of the big animal. These appendages certainly don't contribute a lot towards locomotion, and the creature seems happy to just drift along. I, oh, oh, shit, uh, there it goes again. Uh, damn it, okay. Um, except when it's startled, say, if I get too close and it spooks. It has an ingenious way of giving itself an extra turn of speed. The front aperture gapes open, sucking in water. Its huge sides swell ever so slightly, and then it expels the water out the other end in a single powerful jet. This allows the cumbersome creature to briefly transform into a swift projectile, propelling it past my sonar range, and then I have to try and see if I can pick it up again, which so far I've been able to do. Ah, oh, okay, uh, there it is. I I think it's actually coming back and finding me each time, uh, drifting alongside me, possibly out of curiosity. Uh, It might be filter feeding. We went through a school of fish and it went out of its way to go around, uh, carefully avoiding them. Despite its size, it seems gentle and hesitant. We share an odd camaraderie, as similarly large and bulky things. So much bigger than the fish, yet so much smaller than the sea. If I'm not careful, I'll get beyond the point in which I'm able to get back, assuming I can find my way back. No, no, I'll be be able to. I've been keeping an eye on the compass, so I, I know the direction. It's just about the time, right? Unless... I haven't accounted for the current shit. This is why the sub used to be anchored, so I couldn't go wandering off like this. God damn it. I'm in an area where the bottom is not sand so much as gigantic blocks of stone, almost like the scattered remains of a vast cyclopean city. Not actually, though. The waves erode things too fast. No, this is a region of high tectonic activity uh, with deep chasms surrounded by puckered ridges, so... 
maybe um, a subduction zone? Is that right, Montague? Or do the trenches have to be deeper? I can't see into them very well with the sonar anyway. I know you'd be getting a blast from this, and I know you definitely can't hear me right now, but it's, it's comforting in a way to say, oh, Montague, when I see cool rocks. Uh, maybe I'll tell you about them later. Wait, I'm picking something up. Uh, there's something big out there, indistinct, moving around really oddly. I'll check what it is before I head back home, hopefully with time to spare. Uh, Closer now, I think it's a Snailian vessel, but there's something hanging off of it, a large, dark mass. The whale is getting more and more hesitant, hanging back, then speeding to catch up, and then hanging back again, and... Oh. Okay, then. Run away. I'll do this by myself. That does not bode well. Okay, um, well, ignoring dark portents, I'll continue steaming on ahead. Oh, it looks like... Jesus, what is that thing? It's similar in size to the whale, but very oddly shaped. There's a central bulbous body of rough material with four equally spaced protruding... uh, limbs? They're they're thick, and each ends in three hooked claws that are as long as my torso. In the palm of each is a a mouth with rows of teeth, I think. It's hard to see, but it is freaky as fuck. And it's grabbing the Snailian vessel with three of those limbs, uh, patiently prying off spines one at a time. The fourth limb drags in the water, pierced by several detached spines, but this doesn't seem to deter the creature much. Um, Son of a bitch, do do I let this scene play out? If I were out in the field back on my planet, I would let nature take its course, like let one animal kill another. But the snailings aren't just animals, and we're not on my planet. Okay, let's see. Uh, Pointing all of my spikes as forward as possible. I can't dive towards the main body, so I'm aiming for the closest hand. So, eat this, fuckwad. Okay, yeah, I should have known that would be a terrible, terrible idea. I mean, yes, I came in like a heroic badass, ramming the enemy flagship in a last-ditch attempt to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, and my sacrifice no doubt won us the day. But while I didn't explode spectacularly, I have been significantly inconvenienced, which is almost worse, right? So yeah, I severed that limb, that uh, hand-slash-mouth of the alien monstrosity, but forgot about the other two. Uh, The first few moments were a disorienting blur as the camera got knocked out of whack and I spun in circles. The thing didn't react right away, but before I recovered from the impact, another limb released the vessel and swiped at my sub. One of the claws got caught in the propeller and got mangled, but in the process caused some significant damage. The monster, now with only one uninjured limb, slowly reached down and pulled itself into the depths between the crevices of some gargantuan boulders. And then I was left spinning around in a circle every time I tried to move. Which is what I'm still doing. Son of a bitch. 
I have a decent amount of air and I'm still surfaced and mostly undamaged. The worst thing that could happen is I get stranded out here, which would be inconvenient, but not insurmountable. Going back to the basics. In other, better news, my friend the whale came back a few minutes ago. It's not doing much, just hanging out, swimming around. I think I'm just drifting with some sort of current, though it's kind of hard to tell. I'm just going by landmarks on the ocean floor, but it seems like I'm moving eastward, drifting out with the receding tide. That can't be good. Why am I constantly getting stranded places? Like, what is up with that? Okay. Okay. I'm okay. Just trying to climb along the back to take a look at the outside. Kinda have to lean over here. Oof, that is worse than I thought. Everything back there is all twisted up. I. It's nice to get some fresh air, though. The rain's died down to a light drizzle, and I can almost see some stars out. Shining my light through the water, there's thousands of things that skitter out of the way, flashing briefly, then circling back around, following the ray of light. Fish of more kinds than I've seen before. So many strange shapes and colors seen for an instant before fading back into the gloomy water. Deep, deep down. Oh, uh, I think I see my whale friend. Actually, it's bright pink, which I really wasn't expecting. Um, hey, where, where'd it go? Something must have spooked it again. I, oh, shit. Under the water, the big thing. <sighs> I don't hear anything. Let's check the sonar and cameras. Okay, so the image shows the four-limbed creature lying flat on the bottom, and the three injured limbs are all splayed out. The other limb is moving around. Oh, okay, it's, uh, it's tugging on another one, and it just easily slides out, and then it shakes, and out falls the other two. The remaining arm plunges into the ground and, and pulls, and the entire bulbous body is dragged into a crevice. I, that's some weird shit, man. It kind of reminds me of a gooey duck in its current one-footed state, and the bulbous part was rough, more like a shell than a cephalopod's body. Huh. Well, one explanation for the multiple mouths is a sort of communal living situation or even a colonial organism. Each arm, then, would be its own animal, but one that relies on the other ones for survival. Uh, kind of like a Portuguese man-o'-war or a number of hydrozoan species. I don't think it swims so much as crawls along the bottom until something big enough to be worth its while comes by. Actually, that reminds me of the squeogs that seem to feed with their tentacles. Maybe they're also a sort of communal organism. The, the eyes I saw could have even been specialized individuals, uh, much like how each animal in a man of war has its own highly differentiated function. Huh. Here I was comparing them to squids when they're probably more analogous with things like coral or jellyfish. See, I wonder if there's an entire phylum of colonial animals, or if this is a common adaptation that's arisen multiple... 
Wait, what was that? Whoa, um, uh, something's pulling me. I I'm trying to use the sonar to see behind me, but... Oh. It's the snailians, it looks like. They must have some kind of harpoon or, or grappling hook. I, I, I guess I'm being rescued. It's been an hour or so. I'm being towed by the aliens, not quite in the right direction towards home based on my compass. The landscape of the seafloor that I can see through the sonar is different, not, a, not as cracked and broken, and it's rising closer to us as we go along. I mean, part of that is the tide going out, and part of that is because I think we're getting closer to the continent. The main new feature is structures like coral, tall and jagged shadows against the bottom. They, they shift and change with little movements that are hard to see with the sonar. There are so many varieties, uh, flat and star-shaped, tall and, and branching. There are these dense populations of fish that are flitting in and out among these. It is a thriving ecosystem during the high tide that'll have to close its doors in a little while as the water level gets too low. The region might be nutrient-rich because of upwelling from the ocean vents as well as the probable runoff from the continent. As we go along, uh, oh, it's a reef. That's the only way to describe it. It's a wall, a tortuous, jumbled pile of shells. They look like snailian shells, but much smaller, probably a foot or so in diameter. We're turning to follow alongside it. It reaches above where the surface is now, but probably is fully submerged at high tide. It's big enough that I wonder why I didn't see it from the rocks, but... If these are snailians or related, their shell material is beige and it blends in with the background perfectly. Little hatches are, are opening and small creatures wave their little tentacles in our direction, then they close again. It's wonderful. They're very closely packed, no room to grow any bigger than they are currently. Either they're limited by the conditions local to the substrate they're attached to, or they'll need to be moved somehow to reach the size of the individuals in the village on the sand flats. Coming up on some other vessels, Wana is using a specialized arm to scoop up juveniles one by one and place them into a sort of basket on one side. Another hovers over a patch of rocky ground that's bare of all corals and other growths. I can't see what it's doing, but I'm willing to bet it's seeding the area with whatever the larval form of the species is. I think I was correct, and this is some sort of nursery, and the young ones will eventually be moved to less crowded areas, maybe even to Bob's neighborhood. Another vessel is approaching. It's hugging close to the bottom of any area thickly populated with the branching organisms, uh, several hatches opening on its lower surface. It's, oh God. As it passes the coral-like structures, the, the branching ones, they just dissolve and hidden creatures scuttle out only to stagger and stop shells or exoskeletons melting away. Fish that mistakenly pass beneath start to spasm and jerk until they twist to a halt and slowly drift through the water. I, I can't see anything coming out with my echolocation site and fuzzy video feed, even if the chemical, the... The, the pesticide or whatever it is, even if it had a color, it, it still looks like the invisible hand of death creeping across the sea floor. Beneath it is nothing but naked rock and sand. Jesus. 
seeing humans wipe out whole ecosystems in one go is distressing, but but understandable. Like we've reached the level where that's our right, that's our power, and of course we're going to use that power, even if some of us feel bad about it. Other animals might want to do the same, but lack the capacity for genocide. I wasn't prepared for the sight of another species doing something I thought only humans could do. It's like seeing a wolf shooting a deer with a rifle. The fear of that animal, now empowered, eventually treating us the same as we treat animals. If a non-human intelligence has the capacity for environmental destruction on human levels, taking calculated and purposeful action to reshape its world as it desires, that destroys the last shred of control I thought I had over this situation. It, it makes me the, the bunnies in Watership Down trying to understand the actions of a civilization completely alien to me, unable to comprehend its dangers. And now we've come to a, a gap in the reef, a, a huge yawning dark hole, and the vessel pulling me turns towards it, uh, uh, slowing down. We've entered the cave and a wall just came down behind us, sealing us in. Oh shit. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Tides was written by Jesse Shushu and directed by Jesse Shushu and Ayla Taylor. It was produced by Ayla Taylor with assistance from Renee Sima and edited by Michaela Elias. Special thanks to Dana Patel. This episode features the voices of Julia Shafini as Winifred Yurtz and Jordan Higgs as Victor Stevens. You can find us online at our website tidespodcast.com and follow us on Tumblr and Twitter at Tides Podcast. If you like our show and would like to help us keep making it, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash tidespodcast. This month, we'd like to recommend This Planet Needs a Name, a deliberately hopeful science fiction audio drama suitable for our times. Imagine a handful of scientists and engineers setting out to terraform a planet, a world, for the frozen people they've gotten to. Just a few carefully chosen who will live out their lives building something they'll never see. And now. This is Dr. Victor Stevens, and this is a life fact. Adventure will find you. You cannot run, and you cannot hide. Believe me, I've tried.